Welcome to Life with Zan. I'm your host and friend, Zan Farrow. This podcast was designed to celebrate how each of us breathe life into our own little corners of the world. Whether through work or play, it is my hope to honor the process and encourage others to do the same. Welcome to Life with Zan. Anna Salambitis is an energy coach and energy healing practitioner. She works remotely with clients from all over the globe to help them connect with their own inner wisdom. She believes that a deep connection to this inner guidance helps us to find the path that we were meant to travel. She's trained in various energy healing modalities such as the emotion code, theta healing, the Akashic records, and human design. Her energy tools help clients to let go of an energetic entanglements that come from outdated stories, beliefs, and old emotional energy. Releasing that emotional baggage helps them to discover and begin to travel their aligned and purpose-filled path. I know you guys are going to learn so much in today's episode. Let's get started. Anna, and welcome to Life with Zan. Hi, thanks for having me. I could not be more ecstatic to have you on the podcast to share your work and all the incredible things you do. I think it's extremely unique. So I have to dive in and ask what is an energy coach or an energy healer? <laughs> I love how you asked it with so much curiosity <laughs> in your voice. Um, yeah, and I feel like I'm so meant to be on this podcast because I know you spend a lot of time talking about process and being in the process. So I feel like I spend a lot of time in that space of being in the process or in the progress of things. And, and one place that definitely shows up in is in what I call myself and even in how I describe what it is that I do. So even in prepping for this, I was like, what is it that I do these days? <laughs> um, so I feel like that's always constantly shifting and evolving. So I'll share how it is that I support my clients today. So as an energy coach and healing practitioner, it feels like <laughs> Um, I am like laughing because I'm like, am I really going to say this out loud? It feels like I practice magic, but in a very real sense, different from like magic tricks that magicians perform. And I'm partly kidding, but it feels that way because I spend so much time in this very invisible, mysterious, unknown world. And so when clients receive results, it also feels like it partly makes logical sense and partly also feels magical because um, it's like this unknown space of where that transformation came from. So I work in the energetic world in this energetic um, field and I help guide clients through that space. So most of us um, have heard that phrase of everything is energy in one way I like to talk about that and just like a little bit of a different way is that everything we experience creates an energetic imprint. So there's an energetic equivalent that happens in our energetic world when we have a thought, when we feel an emotion, when we take an action, when we make a decision, when we go through an experience, when we 
like make that really bold, emotion-filled statement. All of those things create some sort of energetic imprint in our energetic world. So oftentimes when clients find me, they feel stuck in some way, right? So sometimes that might be in the area of career or work. So there's something else that they want to be doing, but for whatever reason, they feel stuck on their current path. So maybe in their current role, some of them might have a sense for the reason why they're stuck. And then sometimes clients just don't, can't really pinpoint the reason why. And so as a, an energy coach and healing practitioner, we really work to uncover the energetic imprints, the energetic entanglements that might be at play. So the reasons why um, that they might be stuck from the energetic perspective. And so oftentimes they have this like stirring that starts to occur from within, right? They're on, they're, they're in a current role and they start to wonder if there's something out, else out there that they could be doing. Um, and then because there's some sort of difficulty in shifting their path and they can't quite pinpoint like what that is or how it is that they can move from their current path to another, um, we look at some of the invisible, quote unquote, invisible things, the energetic things that might be at play. Wow. The, just hearing you describe it, but even just using the word magic and like what you just said, the invisible, mm. what we cannot physically see. And I think I forget that we, what you do is, is so invisible. It is, um, it's a concept, if you will, and some may or may not embrace it, but just, knowing that you can kind of play with that and work with it is is so interesting to me so it sounds like and i i'm so curious are do people come to you when they are kind of feeling like they're at a fork in the road or <laughs> they're just down or what do you think yeah i feel like they start to have a sense. I feel like there's a couple of things at play, right? Yeah, there's definitely a fork in the road. And maybe they've been seeing that fork, right? Maybe there's several forks in the road. Maybe like the past year or two, they've been seeing the fork and then they just keep on moving, right? Like, yeah, maybe I should be turning right here. I'm not ready. Let me keep going straight. Oh, here's another fork in the road. Okay, I'm not quite ready. Let me keep going straight, right? as another way of describing, like a different way of describing being stuck, right? Okay, I'm just going to kind of continue my path because I don't quite know how to turn my body to the right towards where the, the fork is pointing towards. But there's this sense of like, yeah, there's something over there that I don't know what it is, but I feel like I should be exploring it. I've always felt like I should be exploring it. Um, but I don't know how to do that, right? So maybe there's like fear getting in the way. Um, and so they start to notice patterns, right? So maybe the first time you see the fork, you're like, okay, I'm just going to kind of keep going. And they start to realize, you know what? There's a pattern here. I keep passing this fork. And yet I also keep moving in this forward direction. So for a lot of clients, they start to notice some sort of pattern. So there might be some um, awareness of what's going on and what's at play, um, but they just need some support in figuring out what it is that's keeping them on their current path. 
And also, why is it that I can't explore what it is that's over there on the other side, right? That that turn in the, the other part of the fork. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking, you. I'm not sure, and I'm just thinking about my experience, if I've been good about noticing that I keep returning to the same fork sometimes. I, <laughs> I mm. think I'm, it, like, I've experienced, and I, I kind of seen this with some friends or family members, you, there's like a denial, like, oh, well, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Or I'm just going to like pretend like I don't see that sort of thing. Maybe because it seems um, impossible or too difficult. Um, I know that's very general because I, you know, I'm not speaking about anything in particular, but just, you know, just options in life and seeing that there's something else out there, um, whether it is, you know, personal or professional or, um, but I think I, I know I have like totally been in denial of those things before. So um, do you think a lot of people are, are familiar with their patterns of kind of returning to the same thing and just avoiding it? Or are they kind of in denial of maybe what they're, they're kind of like, I guess, subconscious thoughts or feelings? Yeah, I think both, right? I think usually when I interact with clients so at the point that they come to me there already is some sort of awareness there um there might not be a ton of clarity around that kind of what you were describing where you're not sure if it's the same fork that you keep returning to so let's say the reason why someone might be staying on their path um, might be different at each time they're reaching the fork, right? Or maybe there's something else pulling their attention. And each time it could be, it might look on the surface like something different. And then through our work together, we might uncover that there's some sort of underlying pattern there um, as the reason why they're staying on their current path, right? And so, there, it might be a fear of being seen, right? And so maybe the fork could be relationship-related one time, right? And then another time the fork might be work-related, but through the uncovering of some of the energetic patterns, we notice a similarity around that theme of being seen. So even though it's two different areas of life, um, where at the surface it doesn't look like a pattern, when we really get to the root of it, of where those two obstacles are stemming from, we might find that there's a common root, right, of that fear of being seen that might stem from, you know, something that was learned in childhood, for example, where there was, you know, some lack of safety that occurred when, um, you know, something happened that then created sort of this pattern of them fearing being seen in some way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I know most people listening are probably like, how the heck does this woman do this? And I'm so interested in you sharing kind of some of the practices you use. Uh, one in particular, which was new to me when I met you, which is Akashic Records. Can you explain this practice and like what it is and how you use it um, with energy coaching or healing? Yeah, so 
basically the Akashic records is that energy field where those energetic imprints are stored, if you will. So it's an energetic record of all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our experiences. So as an Akashic records reader, I essentially channel information from those records. So as the reader, I'm, I, the way I've learned to do it is I've learned to channel it. And so um, I would say that this modality is another space that I'm also always in the process and progress and shifting the way I utilize the space. So I would say in the beginning, I used it to, so clients would come to me maybe with a question around something that they were looking for clarity on, right? So I don't understand. So I guess using the examples that we shared, I keep repeating this pattern and I can't figure out the reason why. Right. So then I would essentially, and you can ask me additional questions if you <laughs> want to dive into the process of it, but I essentially channel the information from that energetic field. So from the Akashic records, right. Mm-hmm. And I channel it through the guides. So a set of guides will come forward and share information that answers the question that the client might have. So around looking for clarity about that pattern that they, you know, keep finding themselves moving through. Like, why do I keep finding myself at this fork in the road that I keep on moving? Why can't I move to, um, you know, making that right turn instead of going straight? And so um, the, your guides will essentially give us the information that's pertinent to that question. Right. So a client might have an idea of like, here's what I want to know and here's what I imagine I'm going to receive. But the guides will always give us the information that will give the transformation that the client is looking for. Right. And so um, can I give an example? Yeah. Okay. So um, this was I was trying to think through the details before. Um, hopping on the call with you. And this was several years ago, so I'm sure I'm missing some details. Um, but I was working with a client and she was having difficulty getting pregnant. And I believe there were also some other health-related issues that um, she was experiencing. And so through the process that I go through to channel her guides that have access to her records, um, their guides shared with me that um, there was, okay, this is where my memory gets fuzzy. It was either a past life or an an ancestral life. So I'll kind of break down what that means. So (laughs) yeah, so sometimes your guides will share like, okay, the reason why you're stuck or the reason why this is playing out is because there's this thing that happened in childhood. So maybe the answer is within your current lived experience, right? Um, But sometimes the reason why something is happening might have occurred in a past life. So a life that your soul lived through, if you will, before your current life. Um, Or sometimes it's something that one of your ancestors went through. And so that pattern was passed down through the generations and then is still impacting you today. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So whenever 
people do readings, I'll often ask, are you open to, I also always want to make it very comfortable and I want to respect people's boundaries. So I'm, I usually will ask, are you open to hearing about a past life source or something that's coming through from an ancestral source? And so I've never had a client say they weren't open to it, but I do like to ask just, again, to respect just their comfort level in receiving that information. So in this particular, what's that? Keep, I was going to say, it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> right? But I, I, it make, I would want to know. So I, I totally, I totally get it, but I, you're blowing my mind. Like I, <laughs> I have to ask because I, I have an idea, but I, I know people listening might be like, what the heck is going on? Who yeah. are the guys? Who are the guides? So, um, it's funny cause I, I spend, so let me see if I can articulate this in a way that's going to make sense. I'm trying to find like a simplest way of saying it. So essentially they, I simplify it and I just say guides, right? When I first learned to channel the records, they were um, presented to me as our masters, teachers, and loved ones. So they can be, our guides can be people that have never lived on earth. Some of them could be um, people that once lived on earth that the client may have known, right? Could be a past relative. It could be someone that they don't know, but um, they're essentially there as a guide. Um, in the case of uh, the Akashic records, right? Um, I would say the relationship with them is different than maybe for those that might be aware of the term or have different relationships with their own guides. I would say it's different in the sense that I really channel and access the information through them really to just get the information right so there doesn't tend to be like an ongoing relationship with them that we're developing with the client gotcha. um and i would say even when for some clients that i access the records and read their records multiple times the set of guides that come forward and present the information to us could be different each time okay. right so it's just a matter of who's there to share the information and who do we need to hear from in order to help the client at that moment in time, if that makes sense. Yes. So it's specific to the client. It's not your, they're not like connected to you necessarily. Right. Although I also open my own records when I channel this information. So oftentimes I'll also be hearing sort of in the background, my own guides, okay. right? Or sometimes I'll hear. Um, and it's an inner hearing, right? Sometimes I'll hear, hey, and my own guides are very, I don't even use the word cheeky, but they're, <laughs> they're very <laughs> cheeky with me, right? And they're very blunt with me. So they're like, hey, almost like tapping me in the shoulder, like, you need to listen up because this is as much for you <laughs> as it is for them. Oh. And actually, I got like a really blunt <laughs> advice recently from a recent reading with a client where it's like, hey, listen up. This is like totally for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> so oftentimes, like, I, I wonder like what it sounds like on the client end because I'm always like laughing because I feel like they're like, 
kind of say tired of me, but I can be very um, stubborn sometimes where like I'll get the advice, but I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. That makes sense. So as far as like different practices, you have a few others. You also practice theta healing and emotion code. How are those similar or different to Akashic Records? So I will say um, they are energy healing modalities. And this is where it can get a little bit, I'll, I guess the way in which it's different is in the way that I've used the records in the past. So using sort of that example that I shared where I channel a client will have a question around a block that they have. And then I channel the information and it'll come through in the form of, you know, the answer from their guides as like, here it is, this is coming from this past life experience. Um, and so they're giving clarity to the client. And so whereas theta healing and emotion code is an energy healing modality. So we're releasing blocks, we're releasing energetic entanglements to help um, release the things that the client might be holding on to, quote unquote, holding on to, in order to for them to be able to make that turn in the fork in the road. Um, I will say that I've shifted the way and use I in the way that I use the records, and that rather than using it simply as a space to get information, that I more so use the akashic field. I won't necessarily. Um, quote unquote, like market it as that, but essentially we're in our energetic field, we're in that Akashic field when we're releasing all of those energetic entanglements. I like to quote unquote play around in that space to really look at what are the imprints that exist there that are getting in the way of what we're trying to do and how can we move those imprints, how can we shift those imprints to get us the results that we're looking for. Um, I can share kind of how I use them in tandem if that helps. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm wondering is if someone comes to you and wants to work with you, do they know what they want to do or do you kind of like ask them a few questions to figure out what they need or I guess maybe you can describe it better. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I'm saying this is how I've shifted a tide of times already. <laughs> but through like the years of like the different offers that I've had through Akashic Records and Theta Healing and Emotion Code, in the past, clients would kind of come through and say, here's what I want. Mm -hmm. um, but after doing this and, and working with enough clients and seeing sort of like what works, I really wanted to shift the way in which I had containers for clients so that I can sort of pull for them the things that I know are going to be most helpful based on um, the interactions that we're having, right? So for example, with that client that I was mentioning, uh, can I finish up the story of um, what their guides had shared? Yes. Yeah, so they had shared that this past life experience, either past life or ancestral life, um, there was a past life of this, I'll just use past life for the sake of making it easy to follow the story um, that there was this past life as a nurse right my client was female um, but in this past life was 
came across as like a, a masculine figure nurse lived in wartime. And so the scene that was shared with me was like almost like this tent like structure. And they were constantly surrounded by like people that were injured and sick, just tons of clots all around them. But there wasn't a lot of access to medical equipment and medicine and other tools. And so it was almost like this past life person had to embrace or get used to the idea that while in another setting, some of these conditions could be healed or they could recover from in the setting that they were in, they sort of had to live with it. There was nothing that they could do, right? And so um, as much as they wanted to, he wanted to help heal and help the, his patients around him recover, um, it's almost like his hands were tied, their hands were tied, and there wasn't a lot of help that he can provide. And so there was a getting used to the idea that you just live with these medical conditions, you live with these ailments, you live with these um, ways that it's impacting your body. And so what was shared with me that I shared with the client was that that was passed down through um, to their current life. And so that was at the root of what was impacting their medical conditions and also inability to get pregnant. And so it's, this, go ahead. Oh no, so I was just gonna ask in that, were, did, did you two work together over a period of time to kind of like remove yeah. these blocks, if you will? Yeah, and so we also had an energetic container. And so um, at that time, I think it was before I was trained in theta healing. So I believe my energy healing modality at that time was just emotion code. So we looked to uncover the um, trapped emotions that the client was holding on to that was also at the root of um, those patterns. And so I helped her to release that. And wonderful, miraculous, magical news was that she then became pregnant like a month or two after that. Um, yeah, so that's sort of like one example of how those different modalities can be used in tandem. So at that time, the way we were using Akashic Records was to get the information, to get the answers that obviously are, you know, we might not have access to, right? How could we possibly know that there was this past life experience that was contributing to this challenge, this difficulty? So we accessed that information and then we used an, an energy healing modality to release some of those energetic blocks that her body was holding onto as a result of, you know, her own current life and also what was passed down to her from that past life experience. When people come to you, do you feel like they have to necessarily believe in what you do? And I'm only asking because mm. I'm thinking, are people coming to you sometimes maybe out of desperation or for some reason or another and thinking, I'll do anything to get answers or I'll mm. do anything to move forward. I'll, you know, what, I don't know what this lady does, but we'll see if it works. Or do you feel like kind of trusting and kind of having that certain sense of belief in you and your ability is required? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely attract people that have already some openness there. Um, but as far as the nuances in what you believe, um, I don't think is necessarily an obstacle. I feel like, you know, whatever we want to call it, whether it's God or source or intuition or the universe, I feel like we'll utilize the tools and the beliefs that it has access to. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I guess I'll say if someone was completely closed off, right. Yes. Then there would definitely, that would definitely impact the success of something happening in this type of container. Mm -hmm. I recall like when I was first training in my first energy healing modality, where I'm like just offering it to like friends, right. Not even knowing how open they were to it. So I will say those that are completely blocked off and just very, very skeptical and not open to it at all. Um, you can, I could also just feel that, right? There's a tension right. that I can sense and feel. Um, and you can definitely energetically block, right? So if you're coming into something going like, nope, this isn't real. I don't believe it. What are you doing? No, 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 no then that's also energy, right? So you're creating an energetic block to this form of release. So that's definitely going to have an impact. But I would say if there's at least some sort of openness to it, then if there, if a client had like a nuanced, um, what's the word I'm looking for, difference in belief as far as like a past life, or that something can be passed on through and through our ancestors. I don't think that that's going to be a huge block because as I mentioned earlier, the universe, the, uh, the God source is going to utilize whatever opening that it does have. Right. And so it might come through being labeled as something else. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's essentially allowing a release of whatever energetic block is coming through. I don't know if I made any sense in how I explained that. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm, I'm thinking about is what I, I love about just the idea even of energy healing in general is that I think it kind of allows us to release the idea that many of us have that we're kind of like, predisposed to certain things, whether it's health or it's mm -hmm. uh, characteristics and things like that. Um, a lot of times those can be very negative, um, especially let's say you have like a bad relationship with like a parent and you feel mm -hmm. like you're predisposed to also have a bad relationship with your kid or you know what I'm saying, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, mm -hmm. I And I love that this kind of flips that and says like, you can completely uh, heal that you can completely work through those blocks and release them if you know if they are present right yeah yeah mm -hmm. I, yeah I feel like that's the beauty of the world that we're living in now that we have access or we become we've been made aware of our access to this type of healing work right that 
like exactly what you're describing that we actually, wow, we have an ability to release these things. I call them entanglements, right? Energetic entanglements that we sort of thought like, well, that's just the way that I am. Um, that's just the way things are. That's the way I show up or that's the way things show up for me. Um, but to be given sort of like this power again to say, oh, there's a way to be able to untangle from that, to be able to release from that, um, I think is such a beautiful thing. It opens up so much possibility, I feel like. Yes, I think possibility is like the perfect word because mm -hmm. I, I think I think the human mind likes to limit us and that we create stories, right, around same thing, family, who we are, where we come from, and we are, whether we're told or we just, based on how we grew up, who we grew up around, or just create these stories mm -hmm. about what is available to us or not. And I mm -hmm. think just having, knowing this is out there and um, that we can reframe and um, get rid of things uh, just because I, you know, you hear people be like, uh, my life is going to be like this because it was for my parents or whatever. Yeah. And um, that could not be further from the truth. I, you know, just even just look around you. There's people in your life that have done different things than their families or um, just knowing that this is available, that they can uh, work with someone and work through if they are feeling those entanglements, if you will. So yeah. I, ha I have to ask, like, how on earth did you get into this? Like, is this a, <laughs> is this a gift you were born with? I mean, you said you were trained, but how, like, what inspired you to even get started doing this? Uh, so funny. Um, it actually stems back to probably when you and I crossed paths. We crossed paths through Just Lively, right? Yes. Am I right? Yeah. And so around that time, and I would say before that time, because that was probably the start of like my deep, deep search. Mm -hmm. um, so that was what, four years ago yeah, now? Just so wild. So prior to that time, I was trying to birth a completely different business. I wanted to buy an art. I wanted to buy a school bus, gut it, turn it into an, a mobile art studio and teach like creative tinkering classes to kids. Mm -hmm. And so I had gone through this whole journey of trying to birth that business and I just couldn't do it. I had like a list of things that I needed to do and one by one, I checked them off. Okay, I did that, I did that, I did that. Um, and then I got to the very end and it just was like, okay, let's do it. And I couldn't do it, right? There was, there was, I realized something invisible, something that I couldn't, that wasn't on my list of things to do, right? It wasn't a task, but there was something preventing me from doing it. Um, and so that sort of started me down this journey of trying to figure out what was at play. And so that's how really I started to um, just do a deep dive and figuring that out. And so one thing led to another and um, I stumbled across doing 
I think just like different forms of energy healing. Mm -hmm. And then through just synchronistic events, found myself getting trained in um, the emotion code. And so that was my first energy healing modality. And at the time that that was, that opportunity presented itself to me, I was already starting to connect with my intuition and my inner knowing and getting to know sort of what that knowing feels like. Um, and so when that opportunity presented itself, it felt very much like a yes in my body. Um, and it just came with a knowing that, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Um, and so I said yes and found myself like within, I think a short amount of time, it was like in a couple of weeks flying to, I live in California, flying to Austin to getting trained so I can get trained in the emotion code. And I'll say that that is very diff, like a different set of actions than normal me at the time would have done. I, I think the last time I had traveled on my own had been many, many years prior. Like I just wouldn't have done that thing. Um, but I just followed my inner knowing and that's how I found myself um, getting trained in it and first really releasing it, releasing energetic blocks for myself and finding um, a lot of relief and um, a lot of benefit from that. And then just also then having the next knowing that I'm supposed to be doing something with that and helping other people. Um, and so, yeah, it's just sort of like this unfolding of um, things being presented to me in very organic ways and me learning to trust that inner knowing mm -hmm. um, to take that next step until, you know, I found myself getting certified in different modalities and then offering this to other people as a way to help them in their own way. Wow, I I feel like they if that, the energy, the source found the right person because you were so like surrendered, it sounds like mm -hmm. throughout that whole thing. It feels mm -hmm. like at least it sounds as though there was very little resistance. Um, I'm sure you had moments, but it just mm -hmm. it sounds like you were like, okay, I'm just gonna continue to follow this path as long as it it continues to feel right. And you just like kept going. It felt it doesn't sound like you in this process at least experienced any of those forks in the road at least for the way you just described it it sounded it sounds very effortless and just kind of like an, an unfolding yeah i would say those big moments felt were very surrendered right mm -hmm. i i think those pivotal those forks the i guess the big forks um were hesitate to use the word effortless because I'm sure there was other stuff in there but I do feel like those were very surrendered because there's a very specific feeling that I know in my body when it's telling me yes this is what you're meant to be doing and it comes with a wave of calm and certainty and 
um, I keep repeating the, the knowing because it's just like the best way for me to describe it. But I would say in between those big forks in the road with little, I don't know if they would be forks, but there was definitely other ways in which I was challenged, mm-hmm. right? In like fear also of being seen and heard and oh my gosh, I'm going to put myself out there. Right. Okay, I got comfortable talking about emotion code. Oh my gosh, now I'm going to talk about Akashic Records. Oh, this is so crazy, right? And so I feel like there's definitely those challenges along the way um, to, um, yeah, create a different, um, feeling than the effortlessness, but yes, I think those big forks did feel very surrendered. Wow. I I'm just so impressed by your ability to just kind of like navigate through that. Did you not like hear voices as a kid or something? Like I'm wondering where this like <laughs> came from and it, cause it's, it came later in life. At least that's what yeah. it sounds like. I my mom tells me stories of when I was younger and I would, for example, like my grandfather had passed away, I think when I was five and he had visited me like the evening that he, Oh, of his funeral. And so this is the example that she shares, but I think there's other examples. My mom's a big scaredy cat. Right. And so here I am, this five-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, grandfather in Filipinos, Lolo, right? Lolo visited me and did it. I had all these things to share. And she freaked out. (laughs) And she's like, as any like normal parent would do that, especially if you're like a big scaredy cat, right? She's like, uh, she put a kibosh on it, right? And I can't blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was the start, probably one way in which if there was sort of like that gift there, um, I put, I learned to put the kibosh on it, right? Because right. it just wasn't nurtured, right? And then I was taught to like, oh, oh, okay, I'm not gonna, um, I can't share this with mom, she's gonna freak out. Right. Right. Yeah. I think most, most adults would be freaked out and be like, yeah, don't, don't tell me things like that. Right. So I'm curious because you're a parent. Do mm-hmm. is this something you encourage in your kids? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It's funny because I had listened to um a podcast interview a few years ago. And it wasn't something I was putting the kibosh on, but I also wasn't necessarily cultivating it. And I had heard another um, healing practitioner talk about her own experience with her kids and how much she's cultivated their gifts. Um, and just listening to her experience sort of shifted, um, the way I approach it with my own kids. And so, um, when they bring up different things of things that they notice, um, I just have open dialogue with them and help them to nurture that and try to create the space where it's normalized um and also preparing them for you know other people may not necessarily understand it um so that they're also continuing to still embrace it right regardless of what quote-unquote public opinion might be around it and so we have a lot of 
sort of discussion around that. It's interesting though, what I've noticed like with my own son, um, I think it's just naturally, like I only am around them so much. I have, you know, we'd like to think as parents, we have a, yeah, we we're raising them, hoping to raise them. But at the end of the day, they're also spending so much time in the outside world. They're still being influenced by television and peers and books and school and all of those things. And so, and they're exploring other things as well. So even if maybe they're not hearing like the message that I did from my own mom of like getting the kibosh on it because that's scary, don't talk about that. If they're also not cultivating it in some way, um, I don't know. I wonder if that still naturally gets lost, even with me as their parent. Like I just noticed there's less of that dialogue with my son as he's getting older, but I'm still having some of that dialogue with my daughter, but she's also the younger one. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that also shifts over time. But to answer your question, yeah, absolutely. I try to um, help nurture it in a natural way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily do things to purposefully like quote unquote train them in it right um but if I notice things and or if they're they're bringing up stuff then we um just have conversations around it and help them to embrace that Mm -hmm. so do they understand what you do yes and no um I feel like that's probably going to shift a little bit more in the beginning it was easier because it's such a hard I mean, I have a hard time sometimes even just talking about it oh, from I, like yeah, an understand. offering perspective, right? right? And so then sharing it with the kids, there was a time where the easiest way to explain it to them was like, they understood meditation. So for a while, it was just like, oh, my mom is a meditation teacher, right? Even though I don't even really teach, but it was just like a simple way of them understanding it. Yeah. Um but they'll get curious and they'll ask different questions. I try to explain it as best I can to their age level. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there's a basic understanding of it. And I'm sure that'll start to evolve as they get older, the more that I can kind of explain it in a way that they'll be able to grasp. I, I think that's so cool. I love hearing how people kind of share their interests and their gifts um, with their, like with their families. Mm. And um, I think it's really special, especially when it's something so unique and not something you hear about all the time, yeah. uh, just to hear how people are kind of incorporating that into their everyday life. So I was curious, like with your work and what you do, are you able to draw inspiration from anything to help you kind of like keep going and growing in the world of energy? Yeah, well, it's funny because we're talking about family. Um, Actually, like recently, um, I mean, I'm I feel like I'm I'm naturally just inspired by life and the world around me. But I would say a big source of inspiration lately has been my daughter. Um, Just being able to see how she navigates the world in how she expresses herself right and so she recently wanted to um start taking hip-hop dance classes this past year and then she's also started to take um drama at school so theater at school and so 
Um, and she'll often like just break out and dance in the middle of the supermarket <laughs> and the mall yeah. and all these different places in public, right? It's funny, we, we took a video of her and she was sharing her friends and her friends are, did you do that in public? Like people <laughs> saw you? And it was so neat to see her just like respond in a very self-assured, proud way. Like, yeah, there were people all around me, you know, and she like, didn't care so it's neat to witness um almost like oh how is it to grow up and not allow your creative self-expression be impacted by other people's opinions or you know different things like that because on one hand when I work with clients we're often revisiting these points in time right like where okay, I have this blog, I can't do this thing. And we're revisiting sometimes these childhood um, memories of well, when I was younger, I used to love to do X, Y, Z. And then I just learned not to because of, you know, whatever reasons. And so it's neat to be able to experience that on the client end and even in my own self-healing journey. And then flip the script and then witness my daughter living through those years mm -hmm. and seeing what it could potentially look like um, to not be quote unquote like trained out of it. So that's been really nice to witness um, and draw inspiration from that um, and seeing how that might play out. So I'm hoping that I get to continue to witness that. And again, you know, there's only, there's other influences that, you know, are beyond the household. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's just, it's neat to see. Um, and it invites me to sort of like, oh, how, how am I stifling the way I want to show up, right? Where do I get embarrassed? Where do I hold back mm -hmm. in what I might want to do? Because I'm wondering, like, I, I mean, I don't know that I've ever had, like, the desire to just suddenly break out and dance, right? But I don't know, maybe buried down deep inside of me, I want to be dancing in, in the aisle way at the supermarket, but I just learned to stifle that, you know? Yeah, so. no, that's awesome. Good for her. And going after these activities, those are big energy activities, like drama mm. and dance. That's a lot. And so um, I could totally see, <clears throat> given all your experience, um, obviously she's your kid so you're it's exciting to see her do something and probably make new friends and just explore new things but also um just the energy piece of watching her expand and try new things i think that that's really cool yeah yeah it's been fun so i have to ask this podcast is all about process and mm. i'm always curious how people find satisfaction in their lives between the different highs they experience. So what does that look like for you? Where do you find joy in your everyday life? Mm. Where I enjoy the process. And yeah, I think also it can be blended with the finding of joy is I've learned to create a lot of space for myself um, so that I'm not caught up in the action and the movement and the destination so that I can really breathe into 
what's happening currently. So I carve a lot, carve out a lot of white space in my calendar and also a lot of alone time. So as much as I love to spend time with family, my husband, my kids, and doing all the activities, I know that my body <clears throat> also craves a lot of alone time. So I give myself that time to just be in my own energy and um, returning back to sort of that connection with my soul, with myself, um, so that I know that I'm not getting caught up in what might be happening in the world around me and getting moved into a direction that isn't true to me. So I just always make sure that I have that space. And when I can, um, I try to spend as much time outdoors in nature. I feel like that's uh, a practice that helps me also stay rooted in my own energy. Um, and all of those things helps me to feel into the joy of those everyday moments. It really comes from that space. Anna, thank you so much for sharing that. I could ask you one million questions about what you do. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your gift. And I, I think it's so special and, and just interesting in general. Um, if someone's never heard of energy healing, I hope this was like beneficial for them. I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Is there anywhere people can follow you to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so um, I was going to say I spend the most time on Instagram, but I also still have a very like sporadic relationship with, with it. But that's definitely like the best place to find me. And that's at Anna Salambitis. Should I spell it? I'll have it in the show notes. So you'll okay, be fine. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you again, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Life with Zan. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate and review the podcast to give Life with Zan a little boost. We will be back each week from March through May. I'll see you next Thursday.